So, hey, we, we're continuing in our series today, Emulate, and, 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 and uh, we are on a fast track this year to look and act and think more like Jesus. In all of our research and our staff spent months, who should we look like at 1910? We've come up with this, Wade. Jesus is the best model and example for us, amen? And so for those of us, those of you that have been with us over the last few weeks we, and all throughout this year, everything we say, do, every program, ministry, uh, outreach opportunity, whatever, we, we want it all to be filtered through. How does this make us more like Jesus? We still think in our society, Jesus still has a pretty good reputation. Church doesn't sometimes, but Jesus does. And so we're on a fast track. How can we look and act and think more like Jesus? How can we emulate him more? We've got another thing about Jesus today that I want to draw to your attention. We've talked about how Jesus loves. We've talked about how Jesus serves. We, we've talked about Jesus's patience. There's one more that I'm forgetting somehow. We talked about Jesus's Humility, thank you. His humility. Man, that was a great sermon I preached that day. Jesus, sorry, get it? Humility, get it? Okay, Jesus is humility. Today, we've got another one. I just want to start today by just asking you a few questions, all right? You ready? Hey, what is it in your life that drives you? What gets your motor running? I mean, what is it that, that motivates you? What is it that, that just, it sustains you? It just keeps you going. What is your, your purpose? You ever thought about that? Soren, is it Kierkegaard? Is that how you say that? Somebody from another country, first name Soren said this. He said, the deepest form of despair is to choose to be another than himself. Do you know your purpose? What is it that motivates you? Do you know why you exist and what just sustains you? I was reading an article from Inc., uh, 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 kind of a business professional website and magazine. And, and, and you can look at psychology today. You can look at Forbes magazines. And many of them have articles written about this very, very thing today. What is our purpose? I love what this author wrote. She writes this. She says, we are lured into thinking that the purpose of life equals upward social mobility, establishing a career, accumulating wealth, competing, parentheses, and winning, and holding power. Even if we can admit to ourselves that we aren't fulfilled with success's trappings, all too often we cling to our illusions because they're all we know. Here's what I or she, the author's writing, here's what she would like to propose. Listen to this. Maybe our purpose has nothing to do with what we do for a living. Maybe our purpose is really about living authentically and discovering who we really are. Today, I want us to look at the purpose of Jesus. What was his purpose for coming and what was his purpose for living? If you look the word purpose up in the dictionary, you're gonna find that it means this. It's the reason for which something is done or created, or for which something exists. 
Now, I'm gonna give you within the first five minutes of my sermon, the key point, the one big idea today. When we think of what Jesus's purpose is, what it was, what it continues to be even today, it's really simple. You see, Jesus's purpose in life was to find and restore the lost. Have you ever heard that before? Jesus's purpose in life is and was to find and restore the lost. The Bible is littered with verses time and time again that speak to that very thing. One of which in Matthew chapter 18, verse 14, Jesus says, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Jesus in John chapter four, verse 34 explains to his disciples. Now I love this after a long day of, 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 of having a conversation maybe with a woman at the well. You remember this story in John chapter four? In fact, we, we know in John chapter four, Jesus has sent his disciples in, into town to go find what? Some food. And Jesus finds his way to a well one day. He's thirsty, it's hot, and he has an encounter with a woman in John chapter four, a Samaritan woman. And we know many of us are familiar with that exchange and that story, Jesus kind of revealing to her that, hey, listen, if you only knew who I am, I could make a a difference in your life and change your life. And for those of you here today, you need to know that that still holds true today. Jesus can make a difference in your life and you need him. But I love in John chapter four, as the story goes, the disciples finally come back and, 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 and they find Jesus talking to a woman, a man talking to a woman, highly unusual, but especially a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. You see, the two just didn't mix. Jesus, what are you doing? You sent us in for food and we come back. We can't leave you alone for just a second, Jesus. You are crazy. You get out of control. And I love what Jesus replied to them in John verse 32 of chapter four. Uh, Jesus replied, he says, I I, I have a kind of food that you guys know nothing about. You see, they're trying to get Jesus to eat. He'd send them in for lunch and they're trying to get him to eat now. And Jesus says, hey guys, listen, really, I have a kind of food that, that you know nothing about. And then verse 34, Jesus explains to them something. He says this, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And it comes from finishing his work. You see, Jesus is revealing to his disciples here in John chapter four, again, just giving them a snapshot of what his purpose was, why he came. When when, when his disciples were trying to get him to, to just take a lunch break, they could not understand why he would pass up such an offer. But Jesus in John chapter four is giving them and he's reminding us of why he came. He's sharing with us what his driving motivation was. You see, his motivation was to do the will of his heavenly father. He's telling his disciples in John four, my meat, my food, my sustenance comes from doing the will of God and it comes from finishing the work of God, he's telling them. Now, now notice that, that it does not suffice Jesus's appetite to just simply know the will of God. He's not, he's not satisfied with just knowing what God's will or, or even just, just to study more and learn about his works. 
You see, in John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus is sharing that he finds his fulfillment in actively engaging in the work of God and persevering, he says, until it's complete. I want to be involved. My purpose, the reason I'm here is to do the will of my father that sent me. The reason I'm here, I want to, and I'm going to stay after it until it's completed, until it's finished. I'm not just going to punch the clock from nine to five. I'm not just going to do it when large crowds. I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, disciples, listen, I am consumed with, I want to be obedient. I want to bring to completion the work of the one who has sent me. That's a good word, isn't it? Too often, we think of Christianity as a set of beliefs only. But can I just share something with you today? Following Christ always means hungering for us to know the will of God and being satisfied only, say only, We're satisfied only when we are engaged in it. You see, that's the problem. So many people know what God wants them to do, but they're not engaged in it. Well, that's why we want to talk about how Jesus operated. Because if there was anybody that probably knew what God wanted them to do, don't you think he did? He was God in the form of a man He knew what his father's will was, but he wasn't satisfied with just knowing what God wanted to do. He wanted to put it into action. He wanted to be engaged in fulfilling his father's will. Hey, can I just tell you something, church? Nothing else can substitute for active obedience. Nothing else substitutes. Jesus takes it a step further than obedience. His mission statement includes the completion of the work that God has for him to do. The completion of it. Don't you like to complete things? How many of you have half put together puzzles at your house? It's just an eyesore, isn't it? Just laying around on your coffee table, pieces on the floor, whatever. But when you finish that final piece, oh, then it becomes something that you take great delight and completion we like to complete things jesus was driven his purpose was to complete everything the work that his father had to him and listen jesus here in john 4 is not just trying to ease his conscience or or make a show of obedience he's telling his disciples hey listen my satisfaction only comes in achieving the purposes that god has sent me here for that's why he was here what he was driven to do. He wasn't driven to make a name for himself. He wasn't driven by a paycheck. He wasn't driven by man's applause. He could care less about those things. Jesus's purpose was to fulfill everything that his father had called him to do. Or am I making sense so far? I love another passage in Luke chapter four. In Luke chapter four, we find Jesus ministering to people, constantly serving, constantly fulfilling again and completing the work of his father. In Luke four, we find Jesus casting out demons. In Luke chapter four, we find Jesus healing people. And I love what it says in verse 42. It says, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Wouldn't you want Jesus just to hang out more? He's casting out demons. He's healing sick people. 
I mean, people loved to be around him. Lord, please don't leave us. There's still so many sick people. There's still things here that we want you to do. I mean, let's just have some bread together. I mean, let's just, please don't leave. But I love what he replied in verse 44. He said, he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too. Why? Because that is why I was sent. And so he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Now I want you to notice this statement. Jesus said, I must preach because that is why I was sent. In that verse there, again, we find Jesus knew his purpose. He said, I must preach the kingdom. But, but, but notice in, in that people were trying to distract him from that purpose. Now, I'm sure that people meant well, and, but, but they, were, they, they were trying to divert Jesus from his ultimate purpose. But Jesus knew his purpose. Therefore, we find here in Luke 4, he didn't stay with them. You see, listen, everything that Jesus did was in submission to knowing and doing the will of God. The call on his life was huge. His father had entrusted him with a grand task and he knew that he needed to stay focused and on course. Scripture after scripture share with us that Jesus knew what his purpose was. He knew why he was here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse seven. I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Jesus' priority in life, John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. We, 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 we get a picture of Jesus' attitude in life. In, back in, in Luke 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you're willing, would you please take this cup of suffering away from me? Yet it's not what I want. I want your will to be done, Father, not mine. You remember that? Back in Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Listen, our Lord, the one that we're following, the one that we've set our eyes on, that we're trying to be like, he knew why he was here. He knew what his purpose was. He knew that his purpose was so great he knew he wanted to fulfill it to completion he wanted to be obedient to his father in heaven and i'll tell you what that purpose included you the sick the oppressed the blinded those that were walking in darkness i have come jesus says to preach the gospel to preach of the kingdom we find in all of these verses here the one great purpose of jesus Christ to find and restore the lost. You know, just, just, just uh, several weeks ago, a couple of months back, we were, we were talking about the reason for the season. I'm telling you the reason for that season is this very thing we're talking about today. Christmas is not about more junk and funk and lights and food and time with family and fights and football and all. It's not. Christmas, that season is all about finding and restoring the lost. Are you with me? Finding and restoring lost. People like Zacchaeus, the, the, the deceptive traitors and, and evildoers. 
people like Paul, Christian haters and, and, and murderers. It's about people like John, who, who, people who are seekers of God, but they they've yet, yet, haven't yet found him. They're seeking though. It was about people like you. In whatever category you may fit this morning, godless, maybe you're here today and you're a God hater. Maybe you're like, maybe you are a God seeker or, or something else. What, whatever sins that maybe you have, what, whatever shape you're in, whatever baggage that you're carrying around today, whatever past, whatever future, I'm telling you, Jesus's purpose was for someone just like you. That's why he came. That's what drove him in life. I mean, when you think about it, is that not the most incredible purpose ever? That, that, to, to me, that is a mind-boggling reality to think that Jesus came for people that were broken. He, he, he didn't come for, for finding and restoring nice people, the Bible says. In fact, I think we ought to have, he came for the lost. He, he, he didn't come for the women and children trapped in a sinking ship. He didn't come for your moral neighbors who are having a, a few financial problems. He didn't come for upstanding citizens, helping them overcome, you know, life-threatening cancer. I mean, he, he, he does save those types of people. Please hear my heart. But, but he's really seeking, regardless of what we are on the outside, he's really seeking us. He's seeking sinners. He's seeking people that are broken. People, as Pastor Chach declared earlier today, that need restoring. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that is all about restoration? That he's all about taking something broken, tattered, abused, dirty, ugly, and making it new. For the Son of Man came to find and restore who? The lost. Now, now the, the, the lost, leave that up. The, the, the lost is, is a term that means the same thing as, as sinners. I mean, these people, the, the, the lost, they are called many, many different things in the Bible. And, and, and believe me, none of them are very flattering. But they are exactly the ones who he came and oh, by the way, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking about somebody in your life that you know that fits this category. Hey, don't think about someone else because this is you too, bro. This is you too, girlfriend. It's you. You were one of these. You think you've had it all together. You think, hey, I don't have the issues that some of the other people, no, you did. Some of you still do but he came for people just like you. That's his purpose. That's why he came. You see, from the very beginning, from the very first book of Genesis, we read of a descendant who would come and reverse the effects of Adam's sin. We, we, we read of a promised seed who could destroy the effects of sin. And as we continue to read of this descendant being the focal point of the promises which God gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he would have victory over enemies, that he would eventually bring a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's why he came. 
this hope of a promised seed was, was known to the Jewish people as the Messiah, the Savior. And prophecy after prophecy were given by the prophets concerning this one, this one who would come to bring men back to God. The Bible speaks of how the people of Israel were, were, were chosen by God and, and that, that, that he would, would establish a kingdom for them. He had established it in the past, but somehow due to, to their disobedience, this kingdom was destroyed. But the Bible also teaches that this Messiah, this Savior, this one who would come, he would be the one that would come and would restore the kingdom once again to Israel. But this future establishment this time, this kingdom that he would set up. Oh, it would be everlasting. And the rule of this Messiah would be righteous. And the great hope and that they had and the great hope that even we have today, that the reward for, for following the example of, of, of this Messiah, the, the Bible teaches that we too can have eternal life and we can rule in his kingdom. Isn't that great news? I'm so thankful for the purpose of Jesus. You see, this was the purpose that God had from the beginning, which became a reality when Jesus was born. And oh, by the way, his name means God saves. That great work of God through, through this man, Jesus Christ, would, would seek to reconcile mankind and bring mankind back to God himself, restoring our relationship with our creator. Church, don't miss that. Fast forward to the New Testament and the gospels continue to re record his story and how he operated and what he was all about. In John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. You see the reference to the word, the reference to the word is of great significance. You see, the Greek word is log logos and simply means idea. It means purpose. Ooh, purpose. You see, God's purpose, therefore, was centered in this man, Jesus Christ. He was the purpose. And so when the man, Jesus Christ, was born, the purpose, the word became flesh. And as we read later in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, Jesus Christ was therefore flesh. He was born of a man. He lived a life in which he was tempted to sin like all other men, yet he was unlike all other men. He had the power to resist the temptations of the flesh. He overcame these natural impulses and he lived, listen, a perfect life of obedience. In fact, first Peter says that he is the only man who ever lived who did not sin. You see this Jesus whose picture is behind me today, whose picture, whose your eyes can't leave him. You know what I'm talking about. You know that you are so thankful that he came. You are so thankful that this man whose eyes, you, whose picture, your eyes are latched on. You are so thankful that he knew his purpose. You see, he fulfilled God's will perfectly. 
And as you look at him today, you see the visible image of an invisible God, as it says in Colossians 1.15. Jesus could say to his followers, as we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm telling you, a life of obedience, a life of submission to fulfilling his purpose. We read that this Messiah died a sacrificial, painful death in utter submission to the will of the Father. Why did he need to do this? Why was this in the purpose of God? Well, it was God's way of opening up a way of salvation and again, reversing those effects of Adam's fall. Only one who possessed the inclination to sin and and yet overcame its temptations completely. Only that one, only he, he could be a perfect sacrifice to take away sin. There's no other man that could have ever done this for you. There's no other way that your sin could have ever been taken care of. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned. And so there was no one else that could fulfill God's ultimate purpose. Hey, listen to me. Don't, don't zone out. We're almost done. Because Jesus loved you enough to pay for your sins on the cross, I want you to know that he can now lift the heavy burdens of your past. He can erase every sin from God's book and he can declare you forever forgiven. He can give you the security this morning of knowing that you will spend eternity in heaven because the only thing that could keep you out is gone, your sin. (laughs) It's gone. And when you open up your life to this Jesus, when you open up your life to this Messiah, this rabbi, I'm telling you, the wall between you and God comes down and you begin to understand the reason that he came. You begin to understand more fully his purpose. You begin to understand the reason that he put you here. You see, Jesus lights up a road that has been so dark before. And what seems so meaningless in our lives is suddenly illuminated with his eternal purposes. In fact, in John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to what? To life. You see, the miracle of lights going on in your life begins when you give yourself to Jesus. To Jesus, who gave everything he had for you. If you're ready to move out of the darkness, if you're ready for this awesome new beginning, here's what you need to do. You need to tell Jesus that. In fact, did you know that this morning you can tell him that? You can tell him this morning, hey, Jesus, listen, I've done it my way long enough. It's time that I started doing it your way. The, the, the way, by the way, that I was made to live. My only hope is you, Jesus. My only hope is what you did for me on the cross. And, and, and today I'm giving myself to you to do with my life what I can never do. Church, 
Aren't you thankful that Jesus had a purpose? Aren't you thankful that Jesus knew his purpose? You are his purpose. Aren't we grateful for that? Here's my prayer for you today. That through us discovering and revisiting and just reminding ourselves of why he came, know that you were that reason. And for the person in this house that for far too long has just put him off, just thinking that it's just some nice story for preachers to share. It's just some nice way for them to to make me feel lousy and insignificant yet again. I'm just telling you, there's so much more for your life in this man, Jesus, that you can ever dream of or imagine. And today, here's my prayer for you, that you would just surrender to him. He was so focused on you. He, he, He was so obedient and he came for you. I'm praying that you would just accept him, that you would surrender to him and allow him to change your life. Today, in just a couple of moments, we're going to have a group of people that are going to be down front and they're going to be here to serve and pray with you. And today, if you would just like to visit with them more about what does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to give my life to Christ? I I would love for you to come and just share that with him. We're not going to make a big deal about it and people are going to be leaving. You just simply come. You know who you are. You know who you are. Jesus knows who you are. He had you on his radar when he sat by the well that day with the woman. You were on his mind when he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's another way, would you let this pass? No, you were on his mind. You, he saw your face as he hung on the cross. It was you. And I pray today that you would receive him. Father, thank you for reminding us today of what your purpose was. Father, I'm so thankful that you were focused. You didn't let others deter you or keep you from fulfilling your purpose. God, we are forever grateful and thankful for your purpose because it was all about us. You came seeking us. You came looking for us, Lord. You found us. Lord, we have the opportunity to be restored to the Father in heaven. Lord, I'm praying today for that man or that woman that needs to surrender once and for all that they would run to the front and give you their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.